2: And now you you have uh, the experience of different coverages, the experience of different fronts, the experience of different techniques, and then just the do over. And I won't say uh, exactly what I'd like to do over, but you you learn from your mistakes, you learn the things that you did well, and you um, and you take those things and you put that in a bucket, and you say take these things forward, and then um, uh, ultimately you uh, you try not to dwell on the past, and you you move forward and. Um, and you, you, you try to be self-aware and evaluate yourself in a very um, in a systematic way without being too hard or, or too lenient, and, um, and you take those experiences and you try to improve.
3: That is Chicago Bears new defensive coordinator, Alan Williams, when we visited with him Uh, about a week, week and a half ago talking about uh, being a lifer, basically a former defensive coordinator who called the signals for the Vikings uh, 10 years ago. I think it was 2012-2013 when he was the defensive coordinator there under Leslie Frazier. Ended up as the secondary coach in Indianapolis four years ago with Matt Eberflus. Became kind of Matt's right-hand man and so he comes to Chicago now and will be calling the defensive signals. Uh, Matt Eberflus told us that as the head coach, he does not intend to call plays on either side of the ball, but to be... uh, watching the entire uh, operation. And so Alan Williams will be key to the development of the Chicago Bears team with this new regime. Here to talk about the new regime and all things Chicago Bears, as I said before the break, one of my very favorites, Mark Potash, been on the Bears beat for a long time over at the Chicago Sun-Times, still there now, and uh, always a treat to get to visit with, to see in the media room, to uh, to watch work in some of our interviews, particularly in the Zoom world where we all wait one at a time and, and take turns <laughs> listening to everybody else. So Patsy, it's Friday night. I appreciate you taking time out to join me. How you doing tonight?
2: I'm doing great. Hub. How are you doing?
3: I'm doing good. Having fun with Bears fans. Actually, we got to talk some, some baseball and some Bulls basketball last hour. That's unusual and somewhat of a treat for me, but we spent the first hour on the NFL and the Bears. I'm going to get back into it with you now. I think the place to start is the coaching staff is complete uh, now that we know jim arthur is going to be the new strength and conditioning coach uh, they have filled out both sides of the football getting ready now to move on to the self-scouting and personnel evaluation that is so important for a new regime uh, but on this new coaching staff well what is your take of how that has been put together and any initial thoughts you have about it
2: well, I got to be honest with you, Hub. It's it, uh, it's so hard to tell what you got in a coach. You always hear about you know the things that people have done. You mentioned Allen Williams. So he's one of the few guys who's actually done his job before. I think that's you know that's going to be an interesting thing, guys. Uh, Luke Getze, guys, guys who are in their uh, position for the first time you know, from the very top, even from the GM and the head coach. So. A lot of inexperience. Uh, it, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see um, you know how, how quickly uh, they learn and and so I, I guess the answer to the question is I really don't know what to make of, of, of this coaching staff uh, except you just have to kind of trust their judgment um, and, and 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 what they've got. I will say this: I I, I really like the idea. Um, that Matt Eberflus is not going to call plays and going to kind of get and kind of give up play calling, down Williams, because I think that's an indication that he wants to be the best head coach he can be, and I think that's what the Bears need. I think that's one of the best signs of this whole thing. If you're looking for things to be optimistic about regarding the coaching staff, I think that's that's got to be at the top of the list.
3: You know, it's interesting. Uh, Matt did what what you'd expect. Uh, a lot of head coaches will do this, especially first time head coaches. He basically brought his entire defensive staff from Indianapolis. Dave Borgonzi is defensive, uh, his linebacker coach. Uh, again, Williams also coached the secondary. He's got, uh, I think, Rowan Overstreet who coached in the secondary form over there. Um, but offensively, uh, it is a really eclectic group and obviously it all spun off of Luke Getzey and, and, and it has a feel like, uh, Getzey was allowed to pretty much, uh, if not hand pick his own offensive assistants to have a pretty loud voice in who they were going to be.
2: And well, he, and he has, of course, uh, not to be too snarky, but I mean, he's got the advantage going in is that he's not Matt Nagy and that's nothing I'm, Sorry to put it like that, I guess, but but the fact is, he, he's going to be an upgrade almost no matter what he does because his offense was just so discombobulated under Nagy that I think he's got uh, I think he's got a good chance he gets he gets Justin Fields in his second year and also gets, he fits we don't know anything about him really uh, but he fits the profile of of a guy uh, in that you know that Shanahan uh a kind of coaching tree lafleur you know whatever uh who is successful uh, so i mean that, and that's again that's all we have to go by so um so again you know he's starting you know he's he's got he's got a very low bar i think that's what, that's a big advantage and he's got a quarterback who's as talented as any the bears have ever brought in since sid luckman and uh and uh that's a great place to start
3: at the end of the day, Mark, in many respects, this entire staff, certainly this offensive staff, certainly uh, Getzey, his quarterback coach, uh, uh, Gianoko, uh, Andrew Ginoco, and, and now Tyke Tolbert is, is a highly respected wide receiver coach who will also be the passing game coordinator. Those three are going to be evaluated on, on what happens with Justin Fields. And so I'm curious, uh, your kind of analysis or observations or maybe even review a report card on Justin Fields' rookie year, what did we really see, and what are the pros and cons coming into year two?
2: got to tell you, Hub, I don't think we saw anything because uh, I just feel like this offense was just so out of whack that you, need, you got to see the worst version of every single player in it, um, including some of those who actually... Produced, so I I don't. So to tell you the truth, I don't know what we saw. I, I know one thing: he's not at the Justin Herbert, you know, ready to take off stage. We know that, but again, he's not. Yeah, he's kind of he's not the Mitch Trubisky. Uh, maybe it can be something. Maybe not. Uh, you know, you know, lower ceiling uh, stage. He's still a guy who's got a huge, uh, a huge ceiling. It can really and can really can be elite, but we just don't know that yet. So I'll be honest: I don't know. Uh, I don't know where we are. Um, with Fields at this point, all I know is that he's shown enough to at least think that hey, with a with a better coach, with a, just a better offense, uh, even the players around him will be better. Because like I said, I mean, I think it's hard to it's hard to judge any of those players on offense based on what you saw in that offense because that offense made made everybody look bad. And I guess I guess what I'm saying is that's going to be the true judgment. You know, that's kind of the the, the or pace. Question: Right? Uh, was it bad? Uh, was it bad personnel, or was it bad coaching? And I, I'm definitely, from what I've seen, I'm definitely on the side of it was more coaching. I think I think Pace will end up looking better uh, in in the future off of what he's got, what he's left, um, than than uh, than than Nagy will. Let's put it that way.
3: You know, Mark, I, I'm with you relative to the damage the offensive did, uh, the offense did to the development at quarterback, at running back, receiver, you know, maybe even tight end. But the offensive line, um, that's not scheme-based so much as technique-based and and just knowing who to block on each play and, and going and getting that done. Um, and, and that's the group that kind of intrigues me the most. Uh, you know, do you think that there is, with these two young tackles in Jenkins and Boreham, is there enough here, or, or do they need to make another dramatic move on the offensive line as far as bringing in more talent?
2: Well, I think get the nail on the head. That's going to be that if you're looking for indicators of what kind of uh, GM Ryan poles will be, I think how he how he values his the offensive line that he inherits will tell you everything. because I would I would submit to you, like you're asking, I think you could argue that there are, there are four pieces in place for the next bears playoff team. Left tackle, left guard, white hair, uh, James Daniels. And and Larry Borm, I think, was you know even though he's a fifth round pick, to me he looked like somebody you could certainly build on. And of course, Tevin Jenkins, a first round talent who was drafted in the second round, you got to think he's got to get at least get a shot. And and so you could, but you could also argue, and, and Polls may make that decision right away that you need to start over. You could say nobody, they have nobody in place. Uh, because James Daniels, who's your, your best value player is a free agent. So maybe that's not, maybe that's not his cup of tea. You know, when Ryan Pace came in, he had one year after his first year, I thought his best offensive line was Matt Slauson because, because Kyle Long was out at, at right tackle and he was good, but not great, but then pace what did he do he he cut Slosson just right then and there which looked like it was a kind of a mysterious move and he just he just didn't think he was a starting player so how these new gms especially a guy with offensive line uh who's rooted in the offensive line how he values the offensive line i think will be a big indicator of, of where of how much uh, uh change is going to is going uh, there's going to be so to answer your question personally i think yes i think there's i think uh i think he inherits a a a, a, a pretty decent starting point on the offensive line but i cannot blame him one bit if he wants to tear it down and start all over again but i just think he's got so many other things to worry about that might not be the best tack
3: yeah, you know, it's fascinating if you think about it, Mark, and where he comes from, because in two thousand and nineteen, the Chiefs win a Super Bowl with their offensive line, and then they blow it up in two thousand and twenty and twenty one uh, in in twenty with uh, Mitchell Schwartz retirement Eric Fisher injury. It was a disaster. They blow the whole thing up and tried to rebuild it on the fly this year. So you know what his history is. I really think I, I agree with you on the four names you just gave me. I do think you have to re-sign James Daniels. I, I, you just—you've got a talent there. You shouldn't let get away. I think you should be moved back to center where he belongs. My concern is I don't think that Tevin Jenkins is a left tackle, and, and I don't know if Larry Borum can be or not. But I think Jenkins could be a dominant right tackle, and I know Boreham could be dominant inside at right guard. I'd go get, there are some big-name left tackles in free agency, and and if this is what he is going to value seriously, that's where I'd spend some money, because you bring in a stud left tackle, and now you use the four guys you mentioned to fill out those other four spots, you may have your offensive line in place.
2: I, I agree with you, and that's why, that's the benefit of having a, a guy like Ryan Poles as your GM, because... He has experience with different offensive lines, changing offensive lines, Super Bowl-winning offensive lines. He's an offensive lineman. Uh, he, you, you got to think that. You know that's part. That's an expertise of him in evaluation, which again we don't know about. We never know how much, how big of a hand these guys have, whether it's pace with New Orleans or polls with Kansas City. Just how much of a hand they have in an evaluation, and we're going to find that out. But that's I think the advantage of having him is that the offensive line is kind of his baby, and he's not going to say. You know, it's like 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 pace would say, "Hey, we we, we, we want to draft a quarterback every year," and then he never drafted a quarterback. I think this guy, if he says the offensive line is my baby, he's gonna he's gonna make sure that the Bears have a good offensive line. So I'll be honest, I don't know whether Jenkins is a better left tackle or right tackle. I just don't know the game that well. But, uh, but I do know that a guy like Ryan Poles, his, his expertise should be knowing the answer to that question. And so that's why I, that's why it'll be interesting to see exactly what he does. Maybe it'll be a little like you said, a little mix and match. You know, move somebody to the center. Either Whitehair, I guess, would be Daniels, would be the first guy. But um, but but anyway, uh, it'll be uh, I, like I said. I, I think Poles being a, an offensive line guy, I think that's one of the biggest advantages of going with somebody inexperienced at a key position like general manager.
3: Well, and he told us, you know, that he's going to build through the draft and that he's going to start with the offensive line. You know, it reminded me of Jim Finks. But here's the other thing that I think everybody has to realize. The key, again, is Justin Fields. It's all going to come back to Justin Fields. And do you want to try and develop him, hoping that you've got somebody who can protect his blind side? I mean, no matter how much you like the prospects of Tevin Jenkins or Larry Borum, they haven't done it. And we know how hard that position is to play. And I just think going into the second year, you can't write off another year with Fields. I got to believe that they want to make sure that they have locked down that left tackle position in order to, to give Fields a chance to develop at the pace they want them to.
2: I can't disagree with that at all. I mean, obviously, especially like you said, the biggest, the best point is field second year. You don't want to waste that again by taking a chance on somebody that you're not sure about. But again, that goes back to judgment. And um, left tackles are hard to find. And um, but you know, not, you know, you know, you never know. It's it's so hard to tell. Uh, you know how guys develop, or how, sometimes the quarterback makes the, the, the offensive line better. You know, like I know I know you weren't like a, a big Charles Leno guy, but to me, Charles Leno's a guy who like yeah, when you have when you have don't have a, 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 as good a quarterback, all his mistakes are gonna really matter. But if you have a little better quarterback, then I think I think a, a quarterback can run out of trouble and make him uh, uh, make a, a left tackle like him better. And I know that's I know you don't agree with that. I know he's not your guy. But I'm just saying is I think there's some I think I, I don't think you have to get the absolute best left tackle in the world. I think you have to get somebody who can be better than what they've got. Let's put it that way. Because and I only say that because you can't just go out and shop for the best left tackle in the world. I mean yeah if you could that'd be great. But that's one of those positions that you just you just can't do it.
3: No, but it is loaded in free agency right now. you got Taron Armstead out there. you got Trenton Orlando Brown. You've got Eric Fisher, who's played it. I mean, there's a lot of guys who've been pretty good at that position in free agency. And I laughed a little and help, bit. And, but, help,
2: let me just interrupt yeah. you. Eric
3: Fisher is a guy who...
2: A disappointing number one overall pick, but a pretty good left tackle, Pro Bowler. As soon as you put a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes in there, his 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 stock rose, his value rose. Uh, as a, he was a Pro, he was a Super Bowl winning left tackle uh, because they changed the quarterback. And I think that that's my point about you know there's a, there's some variance there in in what you have at left tackle, and you can make a good tackle even to a, to a, a better one with better quarterback play. I know that's chicken or the egg type of thing. But I think Fields is the kind of guy who at least gives you some hope that the quarterback can make a difference for every player on the offense.
3: Yeah, and just for the record, folks, Charles Leno is one of the best young men I've met in the in the forty-some years I've been doing this. Uh, unfortunately, I just don't think he's a great football player. He got a little better quarterback in Ryan Fitzpatrick, and nearly got him killed this year uh, in Washington. So, um, but but a, but a really good young man. And and Mark's right. I mean, he does. There's times when he looks fine out there. Uh, but there was just too many times here in Chicago where he became part of the problem. Uh, Mark, one more before I let you go. On the other side of the football, I know there's a lot of uh conversation a lot of debate a lot of concern about making the switch from the the 3-4 to the 4-3 I think that concern is a bit overrated with the way the game has changed in the last five six eight years with the amount of sub packages these teams play even when the Bears were a base 3-4 they were in a 40 front almost 60 percent of the time but as they make the switch to, to to Matt Eberflus's base 4-3 defense what's your biggest concern there
2: well I, I do agree that in this day and age and they always say that oh it's not that much of a difference because of the sub packages and if you look at the record like the you know the the Colts third linebacker played 200 snaps last year over 17 games that's not they're they're in they're playing two basically two middle linebackers basically most of the most of the game so I agree it's not going to be that big of a deal I will say though the three technique is key yeah so my, my concern is Eddie Goldman or or Whoever is playing your, whoever's supposed to be playing your defensive tackle, who you know, who's your, who's your, who's your uh, Tommy Harris? I mean, that's the biggest. That's that's the biggest question about any transition from a three-four to a four-three is your three technique. And I think uh, I I don't know. Do they have one? I mean, do they have a natural one? I, I don't know. Do they have somebody who's good enough at at the nose or whatever they could be good? Or or uh, I know. I guess mix will not be back. But if he was, would you know? Would he would he be a candidate for that? Even though. was the bane of his existence before he got here? I, I don't know, but all I'm saying is, to answer your question, is uh, your defensive tackles are, are going to be the key in that transition because even their outside guys, they've all played. They've played defensive end before, so, I mean, that's that's not gonna be, that shouldn't be a big problem. Roquan Smith is is very versatile. He, he can play. He'll be like an inside. He'll play the out. He'll play that will position, but he'll be like a middle linebacker. He'll be all over the place and all over the field, and they want him all over the field. So there won't be that big of a transition, but, again, getting back to your question, question is, a a defense tackle three technique, uh, that's going to be who fills that role, how good is he, and I think that's the key to any defense, but especially in a transition like this.
3: Yeah, most of the folks I've talked to, I mean, Eddie Goldman, if he was back, would be the anchor tackle. The, the, the perception or the belief is that if they have a high ceiling three technique, it is Bilal Nichols, and he is a free agent. So uh, the, the, the puzzle continues. The riddle goes on as to what Ryan Poles is going to address, which of these guys, if any, is he going to try and retain. It should be uh, a lot of fun, very interesting to watch. Are you doing the combine this year, Mark?
2: I hope I am. Uh, So I haven't done it in a few years, but I guess it's not as quite the event it used to be media wise. So, but I do hope so because the new coaching staff, um, and plus you get you know most of the GMs are their coaches. It's a great place to talk to people, get get ideas, and see how everybody else does it. So um, I'm looking for. I hope I get to go. I'm looking forward to it.
3: Yeah, the the COVID situation really shut it down the last couple of years. They're they're talking about a return to some normalcy. We do know that we've got the schedule that uh, both Ryan Poles and and Matt Iberflus will be meeting with us. I know I'm looking forward to it. Hope to see you there. If not, I will see you very soon. Thank you so much for taking time out of your Friday evening. I do appreciate it and enjoy the weekend.
2: Thanks, Hub. Always great talking to you.
3: That is Potsy, Mark Potash. A great read at the Chicago Sun Times on the Chicago Bears beat. We are going to take a quick commercial break. And you know what, guys? The rest of the show is yours. I'd like to talk to you. Whatever's on your mind, whatever the sport, whatever the question, whatever the comment. Phone number is 312-644- 6767. That is our score listener line, powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Again, dial me out 312 6767 we're back in just a couple minutes taking your questions the rest of the way out we really need new phones t-mobile will cover the cost of four amazing
0: new iphone 15s and each line is only 25 dollars a month new iphone 15s it's better over here. only at t-mobile get four iphone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month
1: with eligible trade-in when you switch
0: You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
1: The Bears were so, the innovators of so many things, of all of these computers and game plans and all that stuff. And I'm
4: thinking of that as we're watching them just get crutched and having guys say, like, "I we own the Bears, you know. And, oh, uh, man. It's just,
1: I mean, really, I almost took a swing at the damn screen.
3: The one and only, the legendary, the iconic Dick Butkus, uh, dear friend, former broadcast partner of mine, one of the greatest, I think the greatest defensive player I've ever seen, uh, was in fact at the 75th anniversary of the NFL, voted the greatest defensive player in the history of the game. Uh, Now that we're past 100, I don't know if that vote would change, but uh, certainly one of the greatest Chicago Bears of all time, as well as a Chicago native, Chicago Vocational High School, University of Illinois. And that was Dick on the the morning show, uh, I believe, last week with Mully and Haw. Always great to hear from Dick. And, and by the way, if you're not following him on Twitter, you need to. Apparently, uh, he is fairly new to it. I, I guess he just uh, opened a Twitter account in the last uh, two, three months and has quickly grown to about 160, 570,000 followers. And he is a treat, as he's always been. Uh, uh, one, of the, one of my dearest friends in the game and, 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 and the guy who I wanted to be when I was a kid. I mean, he was my idol as a player. Uh, and we're just fortunate every time he stops by here at the score. I'm Hub Arkish with you for another half hour or so. Going to be taking your phone calls, looking at your text, the number 312-644-6767, broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score Studios, brought to you by local Hyundai dealers. Let's get back to the phones and welcome in Norm, who's out in Romeoville. Norm, I appreciate you dialing us up tonight.
4: Hey, Hub. Love you, man. Thank you, Hey. I agree with you with moving Daniels back to center. I think that would be a great move. My question for you is, and I will hang up and listen, is do you see any cornerbacks in the drafts, in the upcoming draft that the Bears could take that are as good as Peanut Tillman or better?
3: (laughs) Well, that's a pretty tall order, Norm. I mean, you're talking about a guy who is certainly on the cusp of the Hall of Fame. You know, hopefully his time could come uh, before all things are done. Um, And so, you know, it's a little early for that. We're just getting in to the, uh, the draft season, just starting to really get to know and evaluate some of these young men. I can tell you that the draft is going to be deep in the second and third round at cornerback. There's not quite as much... Uh, at the top as what we're used to the last couple years. I I think there'll be two or three in the first round at least. Sometimes we've seen four or five. I don't know if there's that many first-rounders, but it is a position of strength. I can tell you what's going on in free agency, and actually you talk about the year to be a free agent, the New England Patriots, J.C. Jackson, uh, AFC Pro Bowler, I think should have been uh, first-team All-Pro, I believe was second-team All-Pro, will be a free agent. Um, uh, You look at Levi Wallace of uh, the Buffalo Bills, Trevarius Ward of uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, uh, you know we got Rasul Douglas in Green Bay, who was a, a mid-season pickup and one of the best of the year, uh, a, a longer corner who is going to draw some interest. Desmond King. So uh, there is definitely talent there in free agent. I don't know if I mentioned Stephen Gilmore, Stephon Gilmore, only because he's 32 years old, um, but they can address the position there if they choose to. And uh, again, Norm, it's, it's just too early for me to be able to identify which of these guys could be second or third round picks. But I can tell you that the draft is supposed to be very deep at the position the second and third round, and there is a chance to get a good one. Don't forget that Um, you know, you've got Jalen Johnson, who I think has got pro bowls, maybe all pro teams in front of him. He was the 50th pick in the draft. And in that draft, the 51st pick was Trayvon Diggs, uh, who became an all pro this year, leading the league in interceptions. So you certainly can, uh, you know, find players at the position in the second round, if that's the route they choose to go. My hope, though, is that they'll go wide receiver because wide receiver is probably the strongest position at the top in this draft. They've got to find a number one, a number three, a number four. Regardless of whether they do anything in free agency or not, I think they've got to be drafting them. So I would prefer that they focused on the wide receiver position with their highest pick. Maybe you come back corner at three, depending on what you have done in free agency. And also, Norm, I am not ready to write off uh, Kendall Vildor, I, I'm not as high on Duke Shelley, but there, there's still at least one more step of development for him. Uh, you know, Vildor started hot, struggled, and then was playing a little bit better again late in the season. So, um, uh, you know, you need, you need cornerbacks. I'm not disputing that. Uh, but, but I think you're going to take a look, uh, at least Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus are going to take a look at some of the guys they've got too before they be, begin handing off that position. Now it's not Wednesday morning at eleven twenty, but nonetheless, my buddy Frank in Oak Park is here. So Frank, thanks for being up with me on Friday night. How you doing?
1: It's it's good. I, I saw there was no Bulls game, so I took a flyer that hey maybe Hub's got this shift. And sure enough, I turned the radio on, and and uh, you're talking about uh, options at uh, free agent and in the draft. And uh, I have a question, and I want to tap into your knowledge, probably nerdy knowledge, of the history of Soldier Field, because I saw this thing about uh, Mayor Lightfoot having some sort of an offer, maybe not an offer, maybe it's just a concept at this time, of keeping the bears in Soldier Field by putting a dome on it. And I'm making an assumption here that you could, like, put a structure around the field without, like, affecting the structure of uh, the bowl. To support a dome, and you could put that up for maybe like you know six hundred million bucks with a HVAC system. Now maybe somebody will like tweet to you in the construction industry that you know it's going to cost a lot more than that. But that's like an assumption I'm going to make on that. But it only makes sense for the city if you can get enough seats in the thing to bid on a Super Bowl. Now, I, I, I remember when the when the Soldier Field uh, refurbishment went up, there was talk that if the McCaskies wanted to, they could expand the seating of Soldier Field by filling in those corner gaps. And I think it was like they could put in an extra six or 7,000 seats. I don't know if currently... That's enough to support a Super Bowl, or you need to have seating of, like, 70,000 or above. You'll know that. Also, there was something about the height of the ultimate structure being restricted. And I don't know whether that was a thing to preserve the... uh, the, uh, this is when it was like still a national historical site that you couldn't have like the height beyond a certain thing to, to preserve that well that's out of the question now but maybe they made a separate deal with like Friends of the Lakefront or something that the height of Soldier Field couldn't be above a certain amount of. because I'm thinking if you're going to put a dome on it you're going to be adding at least another 50 feet to the thing now all this could be knocked into a cock tad if like uh, uh, you know was it rivers casino is their official partner if they're willing to like write a check for 800 million bucks to put a dome on whatever they're planning out in arlington heights but from what i'm hearing from from like some of these scuttlebutt stories they're talking about a cheaper open air stadium that only has like partial protection for uh you know your fans out there which i I would think would be kind of stupid that you'd You know, spend a billion dollars on a stadium and not making it, spending a little extra money and making it all weather. But uh, I will hang up and you tell me what you know about, like, restrictions, if anything, on this type of a plan.
3: Well, Frank, thank you for the phone call. I, I know a little bit. I, I know enough to say that I'm I'm reasonably confident that Mayor Lightfoot is whistling in the wind. And 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 by the way, I, I'm a Lori Lightfoot fan. Not so much on her record. I don't want to get into politics with anybody here. I don't know that much about her record. I just love the fact that I think she's tough and I think she's a straight shooter. And I and I enjoy her for that. I don't I don't know enough about her record, so please, I'm not trying to talk politics here. But I do like her, and and she's doing what she has to do. She's saying the right things and making a pitch. But at the end of the day. I think they know that if the Bears are able to complete the purchase of that 326-acre tract, and if they can get the financing and, and the uh, the environmental studies go through, the Bears are going to Arlington Heights. It, it, it's past time because they can't do enough at the lakefront to make it, you know, uh, a Super Bowl stadium. I believe 70,000 is the bare minimum, but more than that. Um, the reason they didn't put it, my my understanding of this was the reason they didn't put a retractable roof on Soldier Field when they redid it in 2002 was because that whole thing is built on sand and they couldn't get the foundation strong enough to hold it. Now you've got the restriction of the pillars, which are protected and cannot be moved or destroyed. And so, uh, you know, I, I read a report recently that there isn't a, a possibly the ability of adding some more seats in the end zones, but nothing that's going to get them anywhere near 70,000. I don't think they can put a roof on the place. And short of knocking it down and building a new stadium, which I don't think they can do, it's not happening. And that's why Mayor Lightfoot also appointed this other committee or, or, or this working group to talk about envisioning a redevelopment of the lakefront with the Bears gone, because even though they're going to talk about trying to save them and keep them there, I think they know that, that the Bears are probably gone um, assuming, again, that they can work out the financing and get the deal closed on the 326-acre tract by, by 23, which is, uh, I believe, what it was either George McCaskey or Ted Phillips projected. So I just, I don't think there's a way to, to, to get, and they're not going to build an outdoor stadium. If somebody builds a new stadium to play football in Chicago, hopefully it's a retractable roof, which I would love, uh, but they're not going to build an all-outdoor stadium. It, they did it in New York, or New Jersey, I should say, with MetLife, uh, but even that was now, what, 12 foot. 14 years ago. I just don't think it's going to happen here in Chicago. Frank, thank you for the call guys. I've got a break, but we've got geo, Nick, Derek, a lot of folks waiting on the line. I'm going to get to you all. We're going to be back in just a moment right here at the score.
2: We, we have to dial into each other. Um, once, he, once, you know, and you're, you're given one specific example, but once the coach and the player can dive into the, to the, to the people, uh, and we can start to build that trust and that, and that, and that, uh, That passion for each other and we know that we have the same common goal we're going to be able to take this thing in the direction that we need to it's important with any player young old whatever like you have to dive into that relationship uh, if you want to have any kind of success so um again just because he's young or whatever it's about it's about getting to know the person and what drives them their their styles of learning all that stuff is going to be critical that we dive into uh, once we get together
3: That is the Chicago Bears rookie offensive coordinator Luke Getze talking with us about a week or so ago uh, on his introduction to the Chicago media about his relationship with Justin Fields, developing that relationship, and how important it would be to developing him into a great NFL quarterback. I am Hub Arkish. We've got about 15 minutes left before we hand it off to the CBS Sports Radio Network. Plenty of time to get some more of your calls in. I appreciate you guys dialing up and waiting for your turn. And right now we're going to go out to Park Ridge and welcome Gio into the show. Gio, how you doing? Hi, Hub. How are you? Good, thank you. Um, I was
4: wondering. So the Bulls have been having a great uh, season this year, and DeRozan's been on a crazy streak right now. Mm-hmm. But I personally feel like he's uh, he's been he's going to be peaking and won't bring as much playoff success. What do you think about trading them back for Jimmy Butler?
3: Wow, Gio. <laughs> uh, the, the last thing on anybody in Chicago's mind other than yours is trading DeMar DeRozan right now. And, and, and then you go Jimmy Butler, who is the focal point of the team they're tied with for first place. So um, uh, I, I don't know if you're just going for a rise there, if you're serious about it. But uh, no, I, I don't think there's any chance uh, in the world that that would happen. Uh, it's not something I would like to see happen. Um, I, I I never, you know, Jimmy Butler a great basketball player. There's no question about that. Um, but I just never envisioned him as a guy who was going to carry a franchise the way that DeMar DeRozan is carrying the Chicago Bulls right now, I get your concern that he's in his early thirties. You know, for for this to happen at this stage of his career uh, is certainly a little bit unusual, but he is currently, you know, right now going into the all-star break on one of the most amazing scoring streaks of all time. And, And so uh, he has been consistent all year long. Uh, there really, there, there've been no gaps. And so um, I don't know how many years he can keep this up for, but uh, I certainly, well, first of all, the trade deadline was yesterday, but beyond that, um, uh, you know, I, I just, I don't see there's any reason that you'd even think about that, but I do appreciate the phone call. Uh, Nick is in Grays Lake. Nick, how you doing?
4: I'm doing all right. How about yourself?
3: Good. Thank you.
4: So, um, I, wanted, I know we, you just uh, answered a question about the Bulls, so I'm going to talk about I, I actually want to be talking about the Bears. Sure. Um, you talked about the uh, stadium in Arlington Heights. I'm praying that they get a dome or they get a retractable roof, like you said. But I'm also interested, after watching Odell Beckham tear up his knee on turf, if you've heard anything or your thoughts on turf versus grass and how, like, you know, Arizona has their stadium where it has retractable grass. I'm not sure if the Bears could pull that one off with this weather, and then also, um, are they take Are they talking to anybody, any owners about their the uh, the plans for the stadiums like they did with Holian uh, and finding the GM search? Because if you look at the Dallas Cowboys stadium and Minnesota, I think has the same problem where they they have these windows and they allow sunlight on the field and it's blinding. And it, I, personally, when I go to a stadium, I want to be comfortable. I don't want to be sitting in a section that gets blasted by the sun. So uh, I don't know if SoFi has that issue, uh, but are they talking to anybody that would uh, like help them build the stadium the right way?
3: Well, Nick, I, I'm sure they will is, is the answer to the question, and I'm reasonably sure they're not yet. Uh, you know, again, they don't own the land yet. And it's going to take, according to Ted Phillips, at least another year before they can close on the deal. Uh, They still have to do environmental studies. I can tell you that, you know, while the the, the 326 acre tract of land is is really desirable, access is a huge issue. You know, people talk about the metro stop there, but that metro line only serves about 10, 15 percent of the city. The, the reality is the only thing you've got going in and out of that stadium is 53 and, and city streets. And that's not going to work, uh, you know, to try and get 50, 60, 70,000 people in there. Uh, there's going to have to be infrastructure work done. Uh, there, at some level, there's going to be some taxpayer money involved and, and we, to get the infrastructure work done. And we know what the appetite for, the, for you know, Illinois taxpayers right now is to, to, to spend more on private industry. I suspect all this can be worked out. I suspect it will be worked out. I do think it's going to happen, um, but, but they're nowhere near the point of the discussions that you're looking for. Now, I, we do know that you know during the late Michael McCaskey's time running the organization and his attempts to get a stadium built, uh, which did not happen under his watch, it was not until he got kicked upstairs and Ted Phillips took over, that that the uh, senior uh, mayor Daly it wasn't the senior I'm sorry it was uh, uh, young Richie but but he and Michael had become you know such enemies that he just was not going to build a stadium for Michael McCaskey so when Ted came in it was going to get done but they pretty much dictated terms Michael however was adamant that he wanted a um, uh, a dome stadium with grass that went in and out like they have in Arizona. I think the more desirable way to go now is a retractable roof. And my guess is that if it is built out in Arlington Heights, that is absolutely something that they will do. It just makes too much sense to have it. Uh, And, you know, if you're going to start from the ground up and and you're building that big a development, again, this is not just going to be a football stadium if they get the entire 326 acres. So I would be really stunned if the plan was not to have a retractable roof. As far as the turf, um, with the retractable roof, you can have grass or you can still have one of these fields on a tray that goes outside whenever you want it to. Um, and I think the, the surface of choice these days is what they have up in, at Lambeau and Green Bay, which is a combination of real grass and some artificial. It's basically real, uh, but it does have some artificial fibers and, and an interesting uh, bed to it. So I, you know, the last time I looked into this, that was state of the art, and that would be hopefully what they would get. Uh, but we've really got the cart before the horse right now. Uh, first, they've got to get the purchase done, and then I'm sure they'll start to get more into the design and the details of it. Got time for one more call, and Derek is out in Markham, so Derek, you're gonna you're gonna be our, our finisher tonight. You're our closer. What can we do for you? Yeah, uh,
4: well, I'm on the scouting, you know, for the college and in the, in the pros. Do the uh, the new regime? Do they keep the old scouts, or they bring their own in? And then, how much do the GM take the scouts' uh, information in when he comes to the draft? Because sometimes do the uh, GM overrule the scouts and pick who they want? If eighty percent of the scouts say take a, break, a wide receiver, and do do the GM overrule it and, and do what he want to do? How does how does that work? Uh,
3: Well, Derek, uh, for starters, uh, the the front office personnel are very different from players and coaches. Their contracts tend to run uh, usually uh, like uh, June 1st to May 30th, because the scouting season starts in August, and, and a lot of this work is done during the season. You know, these scouts are on the road going to college games everywhere. You also have pro scouting folks who are scouting all the other NFL teams, and all that work has been done by the time the season ends. And so when Black Monday hits and guys get fired and you bring in new GMs, uh, they've only got, you know, what, a, a month and a half to get ready for the combine. Uh, they rush right down to the Senior Bowl, but they don't get to see any of these kids play games. Free agency starts in March, and so they've got to rely on the information already in-house. Now, in Ryan Pohl's case, he worked on this with the Kansas City people, but that is, that, that's is that—that's intellectual property of the team. He can't take that with him. It stays in Kansas City, but he's aware of a lot of it. He's, he's logged a lot of it. He knows players that he likes, college players, free agents, but now he's got to come here and... And he he can't bring in new people because the games are over. There's nobody to see. So he will keep most or all of the Bears scouts. He did bring in Ian Cunningham with him to be the assistant general manager. They will will work closely with those scouts. They'll watch a ton of tape on their own. They will go to the pro days. They'll go to the combine. Um, but as far as turning over the front office, if he does, a lot of scouts tend to survive regime, regime changes because there's a big difference between scouts and front office folks. But if he chooses to make changes, that will happen after the draft. For this year, free agency in the draft, he'll be working with a lot of the property or intellectual property that was created by the old scouts, who most of whom still will be here. As far as do they overrule them, how does it work? Yeah, I mean, you know, the GM has the final say. The assistant GM is going to have the second loudest voice. You're going to have a director of college scouting, a director of pro scouting. They'll have loud voices. We hear all the time about the way it works in the war room, the draft room, does somebody get up and pound on the table for a guy because he likes him? So there is healthy debate. There is discussion. And that's how they work it all out. But in the end, these picks will be Ryan Pohl's picks, much like they were Ryan Pace's and Phil Emery's before him. Guys, I don't know where the time goes. It's so much fun when I get to visit with you. I'll be back again next Wednesday night on the 23rd from 6 to 9, but for now, we are out of time. I want to thank my outstanding guest tonight, Rob Schaefer, who covers the Bulls for NBC Sports Chicago. Potsy was here. Mark Potash, the Bears beat reporter for the Chicago Sun-Times. My thanks to Matt Spiegel and Danny Parkins for the great interview with Jack McDowell that we just had to play one more time. I want to thank my producer, Studs, Adam Stadzinski. He is one of the best guys he makes this whole show go he put it all together he got everybody on the air adam outstanding job as always thank you so much and then most of all for all of you who listened who called who texted participated in the show really appreciate it great getting to visit with you i hope you all have a great weekend and i'll be back next wednesday night if you all want to join me i sure hope to hear you then until then have a great night everybody
1: kids can't keep your heads to yourself. I'm going to turn this car around and there'll be no Cape Canaveral for anybody. That's it. Back to Winnipeg.
0: We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with
1: eligible trade-in when you switch.